So um, in the late 70s, I spent that portion of my childhood living in Florida, um, where my dad's side of the family lived. And there were a a couple of things that were, while it was mostly awesome living in Florida, there are a couple of things that you have to be careful for. And if you've ever ever lived in Florida, I'm going to add another one. There's three things that you actually have to be careful for. Number one is alligators. Number two, snowbirds. Or retirees slash retirees, people driving around in golf carts and knee-high white socks. <laughs> Challenging, if you're in knee-high white socks, no offense. But the other thing is hurricanes. Hurricanes. Um, <clears throat> when I lived there in the late 70s, I only remember one time having the threat. And we lived in Orlando, so it was central Florida, away from the coast. But I only remember one time the threat of a hurricane. But I remember how serious that we took it, and I remember how serious my family took it, and the people that were around us took that, that particular threat. And uh, I remember watching from inside the house, because uh, you couldn't go outside, the winds were so strong, the winds were so severe, you really couldn't and shouldn't have gone outside. But I remember as a kid watching uh, from inside the house just the torrential rain, and the sideways rain, really, because of the wind, and just that that howling wind that came through and the torrential rain happening and and uh, I remember being frightened by that I remember being as a kid being scared by that um, by that hurricane that was coming through there now sometime later in my life I didn't realize this then but sometime later in my life as I continued to grow and, and grew up and and learned more things I learned this concept of the eye of the hurricane now Remember, I'm a kid, so I didn't know that then. So give me a little bit of, give me a break at that moment. But I didn't know, I didn't know anything about an eye of a hurricane. I didn't know that, that in the midst of this torrential rain and these winds that are swirling and howling and, and the, all of these, you know, this damage that's happening, trees that are going down, debris that's flying through the air, that there was a spot in the middle of that that was actually mostly still and relatively calm. I didn't know that until later. Maybe that would have brought me comfort then. I don't know. You know, thinking about hurricanes, actual hurricanes, it really serves as a bit of a metaphor for life, doesn't it? And sometimes our life can feel like we're in the midst of a hurricane. Sometimes we feel, maybe you're here this morning and you feel like, you know what, the wind is just really blowing right now. Maybe you're in the midst of a difficult circumstance a uh, difficult family relationship, maybe your occupation or your job is, is in a difficult place, or maybe you're having trouble with your kids or your spouse, and it just feels like, man, you can't catch a break. The wind is just blowing, and the rain is just pouring in. I want to tell you that just as life can feel that way, and, and there's a physical eye of a hurricane, a storm, in the midst of that where it can be relatively calm, we can find that place in our lives. We can find that place in our lives and it's found in a person the person of course is Jesus Christ we're going to press into that today we're going to find hopefully how we get to that place of peace how we get to that place of relative calm in our lives we're in the season as I mentioned at the beginning of Advent it's a part of the Christian calendar it's actually the beginning of the Christian calendar if you were here last week You heard Vince talk about that. If you didn't get to hear the message, you can go online and listen to that as well. But this is the beginning of the Christian calendar, and Advent is 
uh, in the Latin is Adventus, which means coming. So we anticipate the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ on Christmas Day. And it's our hope, and it's the hope of really the, the, the Christian calendar, or the, or the assignment of the Christian calendar, that, that uh, momentum would build. That, that it would build in our hearts, and it would build in, in our lives. And as we come together, that you could almost feel. Couldn't you, this morning, I could, as we were worshiping, almost feel just a tangible something in the air? That's a lot what that feels like. It's momentum building. And we lit last week the hope candle. And this week, in accordance with that, we're going to light the peace candle. Yeah. So I'm going to have awesome assistant Marie light, <coughs> light the peace candle this morning. Yep. And if you were here last week, you know that the hope candle had a hard time. So... So to tie the introduction together about the idea of a hurricane together, we can have peace in our lives, in our lives, through a relationship with Jesus Christ. But before we go into the bulk of the message, into the meat, really, of the message, I want to offer just a couple of suggestions that might be helpful. First, I believe, and I've had to do this in myself, and I know that I've led other people in this way, is that we're going to have to change the way that we think about peace. It's possible that we're going to have to change the way that we think about peace. Here's the deal, and I want to look at young people for just a moment. Many of you have given up on the idea of peace because we live in such a world of conflict. We live right now in a nation that's torn and divided, and the idea of peace seems like some fairy tale. It just seems like some sort of concept that gets talks about, talked about in church and talked about in, in stories, but it's is it actually possible? Is it actually possible to have peace? While it's true that we'll always live with the possibility of conflict, I want to say to you that peace isn't the absence of conflict. Peace isn't the absence of conflict, but the presence of a person. Does that make sense? So in the midst of just all kinds of craziness, hurricane force winds, you can have peace because it's not in the stillness of that particular wind that we find peace, but in the presence of Jesus Christ. Secondly, just offering a suggestion before we move into the text, we might have to change the way that we think about peace. Secondly, we, we need to pray that we have ears to hear. We need to pray that we have ears to hear and a heart that's willing to Receive, You see, because before Jesus appeared on this earth, centuries before, God spoke through a prophet named Isaiah. And I just want to read what he said to Isaiah. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You've enlarged the nation, increased their joy. They rejoice before you. Verse 5 says this, well, I want, to, I want to skip down to verse 6. It says, Because of this, for, us, for to us a child is born. To us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called, listen, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. And I say that we've got to have ears to hear and a heart willing to receive because the people that heard this message did not, many of them did not, they couldn't get it, 
And so when Jesus appeared, as this has been handed down throughout generations, when he appeared, many people missed it. They missed what was happening. They missed what God was doing. And I don't want that to happen for us. So the Prince of Peace has come. The Prince of Peace is alive. And we can have peace as we trust in Him. Alright, if you have a Bible and you wouldn't mind turning with me. John chapter 4. We're actually working through the Gospel of John, the book of John. It's in the New Testament, the fourth book in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. We're working through that. Um, if you have a sermon outline down at the bottom, if you're someone um, who would like a devotional, if you would like just some more in-depth uh, talking through this particular topic. Um, on there, there's a spot where you can, you can look to log in and you can download this particular devotion that will follow along with what we're talking about throughout this series. So, just want to make sure that you knew that that was available for you. John chapter 4. It's a familiar passage if you've been around the church for any length of time. It's a, it's a wonderful passage. It's a wonderful passage. I, I pray that we do have eyes to hear, or, or ears to hear, and, and eyes to see, and, and a heart that can be engaged this morning because it's a gripping, powerful, amazing story that has all sorts of application for us today. It's the story of Jesus and his interaction with the Samaritan woman. John chapter 4. I'll have the, the scripture on the screen here behind me. It says this, when a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, would you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? Because Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you Living water. We continue to have discussion. I want to pick it up in verse 15 for time's sake. The woman says to him, Sir, give me this water that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming. Here to draw this water. And he told her, Go and call your husband and come back. She answers, I have no husband. Continues the discussion. You can follow along with that to continue the discussion about you know, the nature of her relationship and where she's at at that moment. Jesus says in verse 22, You Samaritans worship what you don't know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming, and now has come, that the true worshipers, that's an important word there, that's an important phrase, the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers that the Father seeks. Alright, so I skipped a little bit through there. It's important that you would kind of go back and read that, but, but I had to do that for time's sake because it's such a full and, and, and amazing passage and there's a, lot, there's a lot of different directions that we could sort of go in that. But there's a particular one that I want to I grab onto this morning and that's just that, that personal nature between Jesus and this woman who uh, by culture's standards or by the world's definition is very broken is very broken 
And we have a lot that we can see in this. We can, there's a lot that we can pull from this. If you're following along on your sermon outline, the first thing that, that is noticeable, that's important, that's impactful to me in this passage is, is this interaction between Jesus and the woman. Because they, it's about midday, and Jesus did send his disciples off, as the, as the scripture teaches us. He sent his disciples off, so he's coming to the well, and the woman is there. And rather than do what would have been expected of him, which would have been to ignore her, he actually engages with her. Instead of ignoring her, he actually engages her, engages with her. And that, so much so that it sort of takes her off guard, it catches her off guard, it, it surprises her. Like, what's going on here? This is not the way this is supposed to happen. This is not what's supposed to happen. There shouldn't be inter, any interaction at all. There shouldn't be any talking back and forth, let alone the, 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 really the gender issues that would have risen up in that. But Jesus sees her and engages with her. Jesus sees her and engages with her. And in that, we learn something about Jesus and how he interacts with people. And what we can surmise from this particular passage is if Jesus saw that woman with all of the difficulties, with all of the, the, just the strain on the potential conversation or relationship that might have happened out of that, friendship that might have happened out of that, he saw her, we can take from that that he sees me. That Jesus sees you. Jesus sees you. Remember, where we're going with all of this is we're learning how to step into the place or the person of peace who is Jesus. And the only way that that can happen is out of honesty. The only way that you can step into a place of peace is out of honesty, which leads to trust. And in that place, we can have peace. We can have confidence. We can have uh, some level of, if you will, firm footing to stand on, but it has to happen in honesty. And this is an honest moment that Jesus having, is having with the woman at the well. And I would say to you that Jesus wants to have an honest moment with you right now. Where He sees you. Not just looks at you. Not just understands that you're existing somewhere near him, but that he actually sees you. Jesus saw the value in this woman. He saw the value in this woman and he sees the value in you. He recognizes you. He knows you. In a world that's complicated on so many levels. And we're fighting an enemy that wants to destroy our lives. We can be tempted to just get by. Maybe you've even been preached this by a parent or a grandparent or a family member. Just keep your head down. Just go to work. Just do what you're supposed to do. Don't call any attention to yourself. It's the way that we're conditioned sometimes to live. 
we oftentimes, the masses go unseen. If you just con- continue to multiply this thought, and, and as we grow, thoughts that come out of just keep your head down, just get by, just don't call any attention to yourself. When taken and twisted by the enemy, thoughts like that sound like, maybe it would be better if you just weren't here at all. You know, the world might be a better place if you just weren't here. Your family might be better off if you just weren't here. Don't you see the mess that you cause? Wouldn't it be better if you weren't around? These are lies that the enemy perpetuates, and it's like that hurricane force wind that's battering against so many people today. You may have heard that in your head. That may have resonated with inside of you. Man, things would be better if you just weren't here. Last night, I don't know if you were paying attention to TV, if you were watching TV, one of my favorite, if not the favorite, Christmas movies that ever was came on. It's a wonderful life. If you're familiar with that story, if you're familiar with that movie, you know that it surrounds George, the main character, George Bailey, who has a wish because his life is falling apart because the, the, the business that he's involved in is falling apart through no fault of his own. But he has this wish that you know, maybe things would just be better if I wasn't here. Thank God for Clarence, right? <laughs> who's, who's the angel that comes in and shows him what life would look like without him in it? And then the story ends warmly with everyone throwing money at George. And Man, wouldn't that be awesome? Wouldn't that be great? You know, but the truth is, is that it's a movie. It's a story somebody wrote, and while it warms our hearts, it's not the reality for many people today. There isn't anybody that's showing you what life would look like without you in it. And so we just continue down a dark road of desperation. Very hopeless. But that's, listen, that's not an honest way to live. Can I just say to you that that's not an honest way to live? And I don't mean that you're being dishonest. I don't mean that you're lying. I don't mean that you're intentionally doing something to deceive one of us. What I mean is, it's not an honest way to live because you have value. You are important. You have gifts and abilities that are unique to you. And as those hurricane force winds beat you down and, and tell you that you just, you know, don't call any attention to yourself, don't step out, don't be bold, don't take, don't take risk. In the midst of that, the place, the way that we find peace is to hear the words of Jesus through the Holy Spirit that says, I see you. Just like he saw the woman at the well. And he steps into difficult circumstances. He, he steps into what could be awkward circumstances, which might maybe mean my unbelief, my doubt, my questions, my stuff that I wouldn't be proud if lots of people knew. Jesus steps into those. You know, 
Jesus has a way of stepping into your business. He just does. I don't know if you know Jesus that way, but ears to hear. Jesus steps into the, our business. Just like he stepped into the business of this woman at the well. Jesus sees you. And in that, allows you to live honestly, which leads us to be able to trust, which leads us to peace. When you can live honestly, there can be trust. And there can be peace out of that. That's what Jesus brings to us. Second blank on your outline, Jesus not only sees you, Jesus knows you. This is what we learn from this particular passage. Um, can we put back verse 17, please? Yeah. So Jesus has this awesome interaction with the woman. She wants the water. She can tell that, that there's something different about this exchange. She can tell that there's something different about this, this conversation that's going on, this this interaction that she's having giving give me some of that water i want that living water that you have and just as i mentioned jesus has this way of stepping into the business stepping into her business stepping into my business go get your husband and come back now he knows he knows what's going on i don't have a husband she says and i didn't put this on the screen because um for time's sake but i do think i should read it right now Jesus said to her, you're right when you say that you don't have a husband. The fact is, you've had five husbands. And the man that you now live with is not your husband. What you've said is quite true. Honesty. Honesty. But you see the one thing that's missing in that? Condemnation. You've got to catch that. You've got to catch that. The one thing that's missing is condemnation. Jesus isn't condemning her he's not saying yeah you are messed up there's no hope for you he's saying i know you i know you jesus knows you better than you know yourself and in that knowing is the place of freedom knowing that jesus does actually know me and doesn't condemn me allows me to breathe and allows me to live and to be free. Jesus knows what you're capable of. He knows the potential that a partnership can bring. A partnership with Him and His kingdom can bring. He sees you. He knows you. He knows what's great about you. And that little bit of stuff that maybe you're not so proud of. And I'm saying that intentionally. Because the enemy, enemy just magnifies the bad stuff, right? The enemy just magnifies the bad decisions. The, the enemy just magnifies those things that we do that maybe we were not so proud of. The mistakes that have been made. The pain that's been inflicted on us. Man, that stuff in our lives gets accumulated over the course of our lives. And it begins to define who we are. And we begin to accept that as the definition of who we are. 
I've seen this happen so many times. I've watched it in my life. Where they're struggling with an addiction, which I have. Or living through a divorce, which I have. These life circumstances that we go through, if we allow them to, begin to define us. And then you can hear it even as we talk about ourselves or introduce ourselves. I'm a divorcee. I'm a recovering addict. While those things may have been true events in my life, they're not who I am. I'm the son of the Most High God. And all that He has is available to me. All that He has is available. I'm a joint heir with Christ. That's what the Bible says about who I am. Jesus knows me. It's one of the, and I've told this story so many times, I'm sure you've heard it if you've been around the church for any length of time, but it's the moment that I decided to give my life to Jesus in 1998. And it's a moment that will never, ever be taken from me. And it's the moment that I knew that Jesus knew me and wanted me. It'll never be taken from me. It doesn't matter what I go through. It doesn't matter what I go through. And Jesus knew this woman at the well. Jesus knows me and Jesus knows you. And he invites us in. He welcomes us in. You are not the sum of your bad decisions. And neither am I. I felt like the Holy Spirit wanted me to say that this morning. We often identify ourselves by our bad decisions. You're not the sum of your bad decisions. That may have created the circumstances that you currently live in, but that's exactly what those are, circumstances, not identity. Not identity. And because Jesus knows me and welcomes me into relationship with him, I can be honest. Man, I don't know if you've ever experienced the freedom of being honest. But there's nothing in the world that matches that. When I can be honest, say, yeah, here I am, God. And I get it, man. The church has done such a bad job of communicating that we can be honest. We're getting better, I think. We're getting better. I mean, for a long time, the church has been... <laughs> The place where the most dishonest people were. And dishonesty, and what I mean, so don't be offended, is I'm okay knowing full well that your life is falling apart. I'm great. I'm doing wonderful. Knowing full well that your life's falling apart. We've created and fostered an environment where we can be untruthful. And man, what we need is a breath of fresh freedom and be honest. It's one of the reasons I love this church. I love you people because you let me be honest. And I may say I'm okay, but it's always relative. <laughs> it's always relative. 
there's freedom in that. And when there's freedom, there's that honesty brings me freedom, brings me to trust, brings me peace. Brings me peace. I don't have to pretend. Do you know you don't have to pretend for Jesus? Wow, aren't you glad? Man, you guys need to be more glad about that. Because at some point, the facade falls through, right? At some point, you break down. And if you're so used to pretending for Jesus, you won't go to Him for comfort. Because you're afraid that He'll see you as a fraud. So you go somewhere else for comfort. Another person, another bottle, another whatever. But when there's freedom, when there's honesty that's freedom, and Jesus knows I'm messed up at times, I can be honest about that. And I can say, you know what? I messed up. Said something I wish I hadn't. I did this. I wish I hadn't done that. I was ugly to this person. Cut this person off. Thought this thought. Gossiped this time. Will you forgive me? You know what he says? Yes. <laughs> yes. And you know what I have in that moment? Peace. Peace. Jesus knows you. Finally, we can see through this interaction with the woman how Jesus entered into this conversation with her when she was used to having her head down, when she was in a place in her culture living a life that was shameful, that she should have been shamed according to culture. Jesus saw her. Jesus saw the value in her. Jesus communicated to her that he knew her. And finally, maybe most importantly, Jesus accepted her. Jesus accepts you. Jesus accepts you and he accepts me. That's what he's, he's, that's what he's saying. He's, this is what Jesus does. He, he, he engages, so he steps into our stuff, but he doesn't leave us there. Come on. He doesn't leave us there. You see, that would be like torture. That would be horrible. That would be the opposite of good. If Jesus stepped into our stuff, mixed stuff up, and then just stepped out of it. Wouldn't that be awful? But Jesus steps into our stuff with us and then lifts us up out of that into a level of relationship with him. He gave this woman access that would have been offensive to people if they would have heard it. That people would have been mad at him. They would have hated him for doing this. He speaks to a Samaritan woman, an adulterous woman, and gives her access to God by teaching her and telling her, listen, these lines between Jews and Samaritans, they're getting erased in me. They're getting erased. They're getting destroyed. These lines, these barriers that have kept you away from God, they're getting forgiven. They're getting forgiven. And guess what? He gave her access by saying to her, true worshipers. He wasn't dangling a carrot and saying, ha ha, don't you wish you could be a true worshiper? He was explaining to her, giving her access to be a true worshiper. 
He's saying, this is the life that you've been living. I'm stepping into that. I'm lifting you up out of that, offering you hope, bringing you to a place of peace because you can be honest with who you are and what you've actually done. And now we're going to go forward. And you're going to have a relationship with God that you've always wanted. A true worshiper. The Father is seeking, Jesus says, people who will worship Him in spirit and in truth. Man, this is the ultimate place of freedom and access. Jesus accepts this woman and He accepts you. And this is what happens. God's love breaks in. We want a deeper relationship with Him. And what happens in that moment? We begin to disqualify ourselves about why that can't happen. Or it happens in a different way than we expect it to. And we present God with a list of our failures. Because we're really aware of the times that we've messed up, right? You're really aware of the times you've messed up. You're really aware of the mistakes that you've made. The enemy makes sure of that. He makes sure that you know that you'll never be good enough. That's what he's good at. And because we're candidly aware of our mistakes and our failures, we try to soften the blow of rejection. If I can just tell God how bad I am, if I can just disqualify myself, it somehow softens that blow of rejection because I know it's coming anyway. So if I can just push him away first, the rejection that I know is coming won't hurt as bad. It actually feels like an expectation. I've seen this happen so many times. Push God away before he rejects me. Accept that. He won't reject you. Accept that the truth in the midst of the lie is that He won't reject you. He won't reject you. Because He sees you. He knows you and He accepts you. Jesus had every opportunity and every actual obligation to reject this woman at the well. Everyone else had. And He doesn't. And then at, in that, he demonstrates to us, to me, to you, right now, in this moment, that he sees me, he knows me, and he accepts me. And when I'm able to be honest, I find freedom. And as I'm honest and find freedom, I can trust. And trust leads me to the place of peace. He is the Prince of Peace. And the anticipation is building about the realization of Him coming and being here on earth, in our midst, through this season of Advent. Do you know Him that way? If your life is in chaos, what would that look like to just admit that and say, Jesus, would you enter into my situation? Just get really personal with him. Jesus, would you enter into my situation? Would you let me be free? Would you let me be honest? Would you give me peace? That's what he's hoping for. That's what he's hoping for.